This is the Skin in the Game VC podcast, hosted by Tom Wallace, entrepreneur turned venture capitalist and the managing partner at Florida Funders. You'll learn from the best about investing in early stage tech companies, so you too can gain the confidence and find the tools that help you succeed as an angel investor. Are you ready to get some skin in the game? Hello and welcome. My name's Tom Wallace, and uh, I'm one of the partners at Florida Funders. And so excited for you to join us today. Also have with me here, Saxon Baum. Great to see everybody. Number two here with Tom. Uh, Saxon Baum here, partner of Florida Funders. Happy to be here as well. Yeah, we have a, we have a, a great pod, we think, today with uh, a, a wonderful guest who I was reading his bio last night. And I'm super excited to learn more about Joe Bayan. And we'll introduce here Bayan shortly. But Saxon and I always like to catch up a little bit on what's going on in the world and, and share kind of some of our thoughts from a a venture capital standpoint. So I don't know. I thought maybe I'd start with who cannot talk about AI today. It's, it's all we hear about. And, uh, you know, the big push in AI right now or the big players are obviously Google with Bard and ChatGPT and, and OpenAI with Sam Altman. And it, it kind of, as I think back on technology over the last four or five decades I've been in, been doing this, you know, all the major disruptive technologies that have come along have always been from startups. I mean, Z the Zuckerbergs and the Bill Gates yep. and the Steve Jobs that really came out of nowhere and nobody knew who the hell they were. This disruptive technology, which has been a long time in coming, uh, arguably, that doesn't seem to be the case. What, do you, what are your thoughts it's, on that, Sachs? You know, it's interesting. We always talk about this. This is big companies that have the resources to pay for, in my opinion, the GPU and CPU that's needed to run these big AI models. So I think that the overall AI world right now is still so expensive to build product on that on the smaller front with smaller, more emerging companies, we're seeing just off the shelf using these products as kind of the back end, but we're not seeing true in my opinion, innovation on the, the early stage side yet, we're really just seeing improvements to current businesses. And I think it's because of cost. I mean, that's the only thing yeah, I can think of. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I know what, what you're saying. I thought about that because the, the GPU processing power and NVIDIA chips and, and all that are so expensive. Uh, supercomputers, because it, you know it's big, these big language models, there's big data involved. There's a, there's a lot of, lot of uh, processing power, but it's all in the cloud now, so yeah. you know everybody has access to it. I would think, and I still, in my heart of hearts, because I'm a, a a scrappy entrepreneur, um, love the little guy, love the underdog guys like you're going to meet in a second. I still hold hope that we've got somebody out, in a, some kid out in a garage somewhere, or uh, in his dorm room working on something that's going to blow past all these guys, but who knows? Oh, that's what we hope, right? And do you think that a lot of the talent is still caught up in the big companies and they have yet to take the golden handcuffs off and really go and start their business? Do you think there's something there? Yeah, probably. Um, but, you know, there's more and more talent coming on board. We have a portfolio company, as you know, QuantHub, that yeah. this is what they do. They, uh, they train data scientists. So more and more of these uh, young people are going to get um, – get trained and up to speed. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else? Yeah, no, you know, I do my, my quarterly update after the pitch book data comes out. So just want to, want to bring out some, um, bring out some of the talking points from that, that I put yeah, together, sure. by the way, we're going to put that, um, that link in the pod. So if you're interested in reading the entire piece, we'll have that in there. Uh, IPO market, there were two large tech IPOs, uh, Instacart, 
and Clavio, which to me showed that the IPO market was really kind of opening up. People were testing the waters with Kava. Obviously, that was a fairly successful IPO, not in technology. Uh, but what sense has happened is- Hummus, though. Hummus is important. Yeah, it is very important. <laughs> hey, that There's one thing that the Arabs and the Jews can get along around. It's hummus. <laughs> it's hummus. That, that we know. We uh, need more hummus in the world, then. more God hummus knows. in the world. Uh, but since those two companies have gone public, the stocks have gone crushed, my thought then is a lot of companies are now holding off to go public because they had an initial pop, these two businesses, and, and now they've really gone killed. Happy and, and welcome to get your thoughts on that. What do, you, what do you think there? Is the IPO window still closed? Is there a glimmer? Are we seeing it opening up? What are your thoughts? Well, a um, couple thoughts. First of all, you have companies and we're an investor in this company, Klarna, I'll mention as an example, which is a European company. We're an indirect investor. They bought one of our companies, and we ended up with with uh, equity in Klarna. Klarna was valued at like, I don't know, $40 billion. Yeah, 45, I think it was. 45 yeah. at one point. Now it's down to like eight. Yep. So the IPO, those numbers really don't work. So you still have that problem out there. Yeah. Um, it can it can solve some liquidity problems, but it doesn't doesn't do anything for a lot of their investors. Um, I think we have a ways to go. I, I, you know, I think th this was a test. Um, you know, we're, we're in the venture capital world, and you know this, this as well as anybody. We're still seeing less deals getting done, less investors, less money. Even though there's a lot of money out there, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of dry powder, we're not seeing as much being put to work. And when we are, it's at lower valuations, which is good for us as investors. Yeah. And we have dry powder. So that's my couple of Yeah, thoughts. And, and to build on that, the second point that I had to bring up was, once again, quarter over quarter, deal volume is down. Uh, deal size has stayed fairly similar in terms of how much money is going into deals, not from a volume standpoint, but from a dollar standpoint. And then valuations are, are fluctuating uh, a little bit down as well. The reason I think that that is with those other two stats not moving that much is really because the best deals are still getting done, but not as many deals as getting done. And I think that you know, Florida Funders has been the same way. If you look back at the last few years, we were very active doing a lot of deals where the past year we've only done several deals. So we've really, as as Ryan Whittemore, our partner says, we've really only done those A-plus deals. And so I think that that's something interesting that we're still seeing. Uh, the volume by no means has has opened up. Yeah, and I would attribute that it, it all comes back to the public stock market yep. and the trickle-down effect. I mean, the, the S&P I just saw is up 14% for this year which is totally seven stocks. Yep. You know, it's the seven, Magnificent Seven, whatever they call them, NVIDIA, Microsoft, Meta, Google, et cetera, uh, Apple. Uh, so if you take those seven stocks out, the, the S&P is flat for the year. So uh, that means investors have a lot less uh, gains. Their portfolio has probably maybe gone down or stayed the same or gone up a little bit. So they are not. They don't have that excess dollars to put back into venture capital yep. and other things. So I, I do think there's a de direct correlation. I think there's still a lot of people out there that think that we're potentially, uh, most likely, heading into some sort of a recession, whether it be a soft landing or, or maybe a, a little bit more than that. So you know, it's going to be interesting to see. But um, you know, it will turn around. These things never last forever, and. Uh, uh, when it does, um, that'll be good for everybody. Yeah, and I feel part. like, you know, you and I have been preaching this for a while over the last, call it, 
I'd say eight months or so. It's a good time to be investing in venture if you have the liquidity, if you have the capital. To your point, valuations are down. Great companies still need funding. They're still going to get funded. Um, so if you do have capital and you do have liquidity, should be thinking about investing in venture right now. So when you think about that, we're in the middle of this crypto winter thing. Do you do you? What, what's your th what's your thesis on the crypto winter? Is it a crypto winter? Is crypto dead? Never coming back? <sighs> You know, you lived through. I'm, I'm, I'm much younger than you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Most people. And, are, and happy early birthday! You know, your birthday tomorrow. Oh, thank uh, you, thank you. But, uh, you know, I think that this reminds me, and and you lived through this of really, you know, the the 2000 bubble where the best companies are going to succeed, the best companies in crypto are going to succeed, and the majority of companies are going to fail. So if you can pick the right companies and you can find the right teams with the right business models, I think you're going to be able to create generational wealth. Have we completely seen the fallout of crypto yet? I don't think we're there yet. Uh, but if you have the right team, you have the right founder, inherently they're going to be successful, in my opinion. I think it'll all be done when the FTX trial's over and Sam Bankman frees in jail somewhere. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but the trial is interesting. I it's am following it. I am following it. Seems like his people are throwing him under the bus pretty darn fast. And I think most recently his girlfriend even threw him under the bus. So then you really know it's it's bad news. Well, it's his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, there you go. That's a good point. If it was his girlfriend, it might be a different story. Yeah, that's it's a, a big good difference. Point. All right. Well, let's All right, get started go ahead, with, Tom, yeah, introduce our guest. with today's pod. Uh, yeah, really excited about our, our guest today, um, Joe Bayan. And I'm going to let Joe really introduce himself um, he is, I'm going to give you a little bit, but then I'm going to turn over Joe. We want to hear obviously from you, but really interesting background. Uh, this is a university of Miami grad. Sorry about your football team. The last two, two weekends, by the way, <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea from our office is a diehard Miami fan. I feel bad for her. Um, but also a, a former athlete and uh, tr track and field scholarship to the university of Miami and uh you know not from the united states you're going to notice a little bit of an accent from joe and he's from cameroon that's right and uh, we want to hear how, how you made it to the u.s and all that and presently building a really cool company called grow credit that florida funders is an investor in and we're very excited about it you're gonna hear more about that from joe as well so with that joe i'll turn it over to you and uh so uh I have to admit, I did not know where Cameroon is. Uh, I, so <laughs> he asked me that yesterday. Where is Cameroon? I, I'm, I'm thinking it's in Africa, and 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 uh, but but help us with that, and 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 tell us a little bit about uh, how you got to be uh, uh, come to the United States, and when. Well, yeah, Cameroon is in the central west part of Africa, right below Nigeria. So um, yeah, and I was born. I was born there in 1976. I'm ancient, almost 50. I can't believe it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, I moved to the United States as a, as a three-year-old, you know, raised in Paris, raised in France. So, yes, that's why and I've been here for 26, 27 years, but the French accent is still anchored in me. It doesn't leave. Um, raised in Paris, and um, as a senior in high school, I, uh, you know, I always wanted to come study here in the United States. So um, I decided to run track. You know, as a senior in high school, and uh, and I was fortunate that I was uh, pretty fast, and uh, I ended up uh, finishing fifth at the, the French Junior Nationals, and that's pretty much how I booked my ticket out here. You know, I ended up with a full track and field scholarship at the University of Miami, 
where I graduated in, uh, in international, fi international finance and marketing. And then I ran for Cameroon actually for a couple of years. And, uh, but unfortunately, um, I hurt my Achilles tendon uh, in 2004, right before the 2004 Olympics in Greece. So that was it for me. I mean, I was not going to win. You know, I was. <laughs> you weren't going to win the gold medal. <laughs> I was just a decent runner. You know, not you know nothing special, but enough to give me a, a D1 scholarship though. So that that helped me uh, get to college. But um, how do you, Joe? Real that, quick, just wanted to ask you, how do you pick the university? Of Miami, the University of Miami was that your top school? Did you always want to go there? What, what's the story there? So, how long do we have? Because that's the most <laughs> that's the most interesting story ever. But I might you know if. If you want to, you know, this is the most interesting story ever. No. Uh, yeah. Give us right a short now. version. <laughs> yeah. Abbreviated version. I'm going to make it a brief, brief version. So initially, I, uh, so after I ran really fast in, my, in, uh, in France, I met this amazing coach, which was the fastest, uh, best coach in the world back in the days. His name was John Smith. I met him in Paris and I told him, hey, you know, I want to uh, come to the United States and run for you. He told me to... Um, to meet with him uh, at uh, UCLA. And um, I uh, traveled to initially to UCLA, met with the coach, met, met with their coach there. And then they told me that because I didn't have any uh, uh, English degree or English paperwork or whatnot, you know, they wanted me to go to Santa Monica College first before transferring to uh, UCLA. So my, I ended up, you know, going to Santa Monica College and uh, my coach there was actually Tommy Smith. The 2000, the 1968, 1968 Olympic champion and coached me for about a year. And then I ran fast enough, you know, to actually get a, a scholarship at UCLA, but something went wrong with the paperwork. Long story. I was supposed to, to go there and they told me that I just couldn't, for whatever reason related to my transcript, I just couldn't make it out there. And uh, I was devastated. You know, because my life was here in, in L.A., so I, I had no idea what I would do. And, uh, and I was lucky that actually uh, in a, in a, um, a, a gentleman in academics in Miami traveled to, my, to, uh, to Santa Monica College to meet with, uh, with, uh, with foreign students. And he asked me, you know, they asked me to that, uh, you know, they told me about Miami, that it was a great school. And they gave, they gave me a sticker that I left on my fridge. So on my way back to my home in, in, uh, in LA and I was completely de devastated. And I saw a sticker that says University of Miami. And I called a friend of mine and he told me, hey, you know, how's, uh, what's the school out there? Is it a good school? He told me, yes, that's a pretty good school. You should, uh, you should check it out, you should call them. So I called the coach and um, I he picked up the phone. I told him, hey, you know, my name is Joe Bayan. I run really fast here in San Monica College. You, know, <laughs> do you have a scholarship? And he told me, uh, well, you're lucky. You know, we have one scholarship left, just one. But, uh, you know, you have to talk to the sprint coach. I don't know if he's going to give it to you because, I mean, there's a lot of competition to get it. You know, say, so transfer me to the sprint coach. You know, I picked up the phone and I told him, hey, my name is Joe Bayan. My coach is uh, Thomas Smith. He said, what? You know, I'm best friends with Thomas Smith's coach. Oh, and by the way, I'm from Canada and I speak French. My God. <laughs> it was meant to be. Oh it the, was meant to the be. The stars so aligned. That's, that's how I ended up, that's awesome. how I ended up in, uh, at Miami. I just Love left, it. You know. Much. Yeah, that seems like it was. That seems like it was. Yeah, that seems like it was destined. And um, so, Miami, you uh, you studied international business. Is that what you said? Yes, international finance and marketing. So, um, somewhere along the line, you get in this whole credit thing, 
right? That that uh, what what interested yeah. you in people's credit? Gables is uh, pretty far away from the ocean, and uh, I'm from Paris. You know, my entire goal was to be be at the ocean as uh, as much as possible. So I decided to go purchase a car, and uh, this one I found out that uh, my credit score was terrible, and that's because I just made a couple of late payments. So I was my score was maybe 580 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, the salesman had to fill there because uh, he could charge me as much as he could, you know, back then. So uh, you know, essentially, he ended up. Uh, uh, the, the car ended up uh, costing me $330 a month. You know, keep in mind, I was a student athlete. My stipend was $1,000 a month. So that was just a huge payment that I had to uh, to take home. But uh, guess what? You know, I I was, I thought that, you know, I'm just going to, you know, get the car and find a way to make those payments. And what I did, I ended up uh, starting a company that was called, that I labeled, uh, that I called University 4.0 Shopping. And that was pretty much Uber Eats before Uber Eats. And what I did, I basically, um, I created some, uh, some flyers, you know, spread it around campus. And I ended up, uh, you know, delivering, uh, uh, fat food, deli uh, fat foods, fast food to uh, students on campus for $5 a pop. So that's how I was able to, uh, actually make, uh, you know, my car payments. You know, there was no NIL back then. So, you know, so you had that early entrepreneurial bug. The entrepreneurial bug in you started it very, very early. Exactly. You know, so um, that's how I was able to make my payments, and uh, and actually making those car payments actually helped help me build my credit as well. So that's how that story started. It took me about five years, you know, to rebuild my credit, you know, to uh, a good state. But uh, that left a bitter taste in my mouth. So um, fast forward to uh, to 2009 first, where I bootstrapped freeappaday.com. Oh know, yeah, uh, tell us about that. Because this was the number one app. In the world, yeah, right. Number one app in the world. You know, it was uh, it was huge. You know, we ended up with 12 million, 12 million installs, and uh, we worked with um, EA, Zynga, Groupon, you name it. Anyone who's anyone between two thousand and nine and two thousand and thirteen worked with us. And uh, again, twelve million users. We generated eighteen million. What did the product do, Joe? What exactly did it do? I'm sorry. What, what did the product do? Oh, I'm sorry, the product. So free app a day, well, it's just like Grow Credit, right? Free app a day, we were giving paid apps for free every day. So what happened was developers, the app store was different back in uh, 2009, and you didn't have in-app purchases back then. So uh, it was very hard to actually promote your app in the app store. So what we did, developers made their apps for free for a couple of days, on the grow on the free app day uh, website and app, and we would send a push notification to 12 million people across the world, and within literally five to seven hours, the app would land in the top 10 in the app store and often number one in the app store, generating millions of installs in the process. What was beautiful about the model is the fact that we help kids with no money, you know, get the pay best paid apps for free, and we were also helping indie developers who just didn't have the 
a huge budget to advertise their, their app, you know, to promote their apps literally for free through us because we had a, a, a um, rev share type of business. We were generating 60%, um, they were generating 60% of, of the revenue. It was a rev share, 44 uh, for free app a day, 60 for the developers, you know, for the next 30 days. So essentially, if an app was generating, let's say, $100 a day before running a free app a day campaign, and all of a sudden they were making $1,000 a day, a day afterwards, you know, we would split, you know, the 964. Yep. Great business model. We worked with, uh, you know, our biggest day was actually, uh, you know, $75,000 in a single day. That was Glue, Glue Mobile. And we did that many times with them. So uh, it was just an amazing business model. It was a cash cow. You know, there were just like 10 employees. And um, it was an amazing business until Apple decided to uh, change the rules of the App Store. I heard that, I heard that story before. <laughs> <laughs> they changed to, to prevent apps from using push notification to promote other apps. And all of a sudden, we went from generating half a million to a million dollars a, a month, literally, to zero. Oh, geez. So that was, I hate when that happens. <laughs> As an that investor. Was tough. <laughs> Very, uh, it was it was devastating, you know. But listen, you know, I own uh, the vast majority, eighty percent of the company. I did very well for myself, and I lived the American dream, right? I went born in Cameroon, you know, you know, generating millions of dollars, you know, living in a you know the great life. So, uh, you know, I just it was a great experience. You know, it's still tough for me because as a competitor, you know, uh, I like to be number one and I like to stay number one. And the fact that I was um, basically discarded from the app store was uh, was ter uh, was pretty terrible. But, so did um, you just you shut know, the I, did you just shut the business down or were you able to do any? Yeah, we we had to shut we had to shut the business down. We shut the business we had to shut the business down, but you know, it was a blessing in disguise. You know, because we I went on to work as an EIR at Science Inc., the VC fund out here in Santa Monica, set up famous for Just so people, EIR is entrepreneur in residence in case just to clarify. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, keep going. Private seed funded dollarship club. And, uh, and now Liquid Death, you know, a very popular uh, fund. And uh, they, didn't, they didn't know anything about acquisition on mobile. So that's why, you know, they, they signed me up, you know, to, to assist them. And uh, what happened in uh, late 2014, you had Venmo, Acorns, Robinhood, and all those fintech apps that be started to become very popular. Yeah. And this is when I started to think about how can I leverage fintech to help my younger self? So that's really what was uh, going on in my mind. And this is a great technology. I mean, I would have loved to have, you know, um, a fintech app, you know, to help me, to teach me about credit and to help me build credit. And, um, and I had a, an, a, a eureka moment. And this is when, you know, I initially uh, started Lenny Credit, you know, L-E-N-N-Y credit.com in January of 2015. So that's, a, we, we were talking about a nine year long journey. So this being a long journey. You right, know, so I, I gotta ask you this, where's the name Lenny come from? Lenny Credit. Lenny, um, it was just, uh, you know, I <laughs> Lenny it Kravitz. Lending, <laughs> it was lending. And, and then, and then I'm, I'm, I was a big fan of uh, Lenny Kravitz. Oh, so so Lenny, Lenny. <laughs> there you go. Hey, that's what creates you. That's what Who doesn't about? like that's Lenny awesome. Kravitz? Yeah, that's yeah. great. All right. That's great. So did that, yeah. so Lenny Credit turned into Grow Credit or two separate businesses? Lenny Credit turned into Grow Credit. I mean, so what happened with Lenny Credit, right? Listen, I bootstrapped Lenny Credit, you know, with all the funds that I generated from, uh, from Free App a Day. But imagine bootstrapping a lending business is completely nuts. <laughs> but guess what? I just thought there was a need 
that there was a lot of students, Gen Z, millennials that would need the product. And I thought there would be a win at the end of that journey. So I went all in, you know, and uh, the Bank of Joe was actually financing the loan. You know. So it, it was great until it wasn't great anymore. You know, we had, you know, in 2017, uh, we ran out of cash. You know, the, it was uh, a There was a run story. at the Bank of Joe. <laughs> So that's it was a tough one, you know. It's uh, he, um, actually uh, it involved the story involved on Mark Cuban, and I, I can tell you exactly what happened. You know, we uh, we were I was talking to Mark Cuban for uh, for two months uh, between uh, February and March, you know, of 2017. He was in a ver he was on the verge of making an investment and uh, investing in grow, and uh, uh, literally uh, on my birthday he pulled out of the deal, and because he pulled out of the deal. Everybody else, everyone else pulled out of the deal. We went from having probably $8 million in a combination of equity and debt invested to zero. And the reason it happened was because of a lack of experience, you know, in a sense that I, instead of trusting my instincts, you know, I trusted, you know, uh, my, uh, back, back in the days, my finance lead who had more experience, you know, and what, what, what she did was, you know, she wanted me to have a little bit more equity on a series A round. I was like, why? The deal is done. It doesn't make any sense. You know, you know, it's done. We shouldn't change anything, especially at the last minute. But she just really wanted me to reach a certain level at series A. It would be better for the series A round. In my mind, I was like, we haven't even closed the series C round. It doesn't make any sense. But she had decades of experience making those deals. And me, I only had my instincts that was saying like, this is a terrible idea. Because what? I was fearful. I was scared. I was scared of making a mistake. So I, elect, I elected to let her um, uh, go forward with, uh, with, her, with, with her idea. And by the way, we were talking about a, maybe a 0.5% difference. And, so Cuban uh, walked over. Is that why Cuban walked over that? Mark, exactly. Mark Cuban wow. found out about it. Said, he's hey. my least favorite guy on Shark Tank. So, yeah. <laughs> and out. he's a fellow Pittsburgher. So we, sh we have that in common. I, uh, anyway. He said, I'm out. I'm just like, hey, no. And I was trying to explain to him what he was trying, what she was trying to do. He said, no, I'm out. He said, we can go back to the previous deal. I don't care. He said, no, I'm out. So You're better off birthday, without him. <laughs> I went from having $8 million on my bank account to zero. It was the most devastating, you know, thing ever. You know, and uh, I was talking to my CTO and I was telling him that, you know what? I recovered from a lot of different things in my life, but I don't think I can recover from that one. Well, that lasted about 24 hours. And, <laughs> and then you were back in the point. saddle. So your, your self-pity party lasted 24 hours and you're like, 24 hours. I'm fighting. I love entrepreneurs. I love <laughs> it. It's like you get punched in the face, you get right back up. That's right. 100%. And next day. You go get I'm drunk, then you get up the next day. <laughs> you know, so, so based on that, then we got, we got very lucky. We had a gentleman named Andy Chase who uh, landed on my birthday. He was on my birthday. He was at the birthday. And uh, I told him the story and uh, he ended up, uh, you know, to make the story a little bit shorter, he ended up uh, uh, six weeks later cutting me a $200,000 check just to give me a little bit of breathing room. And 15 minutes later, 15, 20 minutes later, a miracle happened. A Chinese group out of the blue that I met a year before on Money 2020, I met the guy for literally 10 seconds. I was a friend of mine told me, you should meet him. We exchanged LinkedIn and then he reached out on that day the day, that, again, the day where Andy signed a $200,000 check, 15 minutes later, I received, it was on a Saturday, I received an email from that gentleman saying, we want to invest in Lenny Credit. 
fly to San, San, uh, to San Francisco tomorrow to meet our team. I was like, hallelujah. So <laughs> I, fly, I fly out there on Sunday, meet with six Chinese investors. I spent 30 minutes pitching them, you know, uh, Lenny credit. After 30 minutes, they paused me. They said, um, you did a great job, but uh, you're not going to win that war. We want you to pivot and we want you to launch a bike share program. I was like, what are we talking about? I'm a, <laughs> a bike share? What is that? So listen, bike sharing is huge in China. It's going to come big in the United States. And I think that you have the tenacity, you know, to make it happen. We have a bike manufacturer that's going to provide you with the bike and the technology. And the only thing that we want you to do is to build the app and launch in one market. And we will invest $1.2 million, $600,000 to get started and $600,000 when you launch, you know, in, a, in one market. And I was like, all right, that's talk about a curveball. So, <laughs> all, right, you know, all right, all right, let me think about it. And I come back to you with, a, with, what, I, with, a, with, with what I have in mind. So I went home and what I did, I stuck with the vision and I merged both business model and I created Lenny Bike which was a subscription-based bike share program that helps students establish or build credit. The tagline was ride a bike, build credit. And what we did, we extended a $300 line to students and they would pay us back an increment of 20 or $30 and we would report those payments to all three credit bureaus. So that's what I pitched to uh, the Chinese group. They loved it. They invested the first tranche. Fast forward to June of 2018, you know, we were supposed to launch at Santa Monica College you see, back. It all comes back, back full circle there. Yeah. You know, and then disaster struck. You know, a week before we launched, Andy Chase sent me a prospectus. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we, he sent me a a, a, um, a a PR, you know, which announced that Bird Scooters just raised $300 million. And then a week later, Line Bike raised $330 million. We're dead. We can't compete. You know, I reached out to the Chinese investors. It's like, hey, this is over for us. You know, and they wanted to invest a second tranche. It's like, no, it, it, we can't survive. That is it. And they agree with us, with, with us, and we folded the model. But I realized that we were able to leverage a subscription model, you know, to help consumers establish a bill of credit. And this is when luck struck again, where I had one of my neighbor. You know, uh, from literally across the building, I was meeting him and we're on the street and I was telling him, hey, I'm thinking about leveraging, you know, subscriptions, you know, to build credit. I just shared with him some of the model that I had in mind. And he told me, let me think about it. And what he did, he told me that Marketa would be the best platform to help us achieve our goals because they started, they pivoted, I believe, a year before towards launching virtual MasterCard. And I was fortunate that one of our advisors, Peter Mansfield, was a founding member at Marketa. And he made an introduction at the highest level. And six months later, in November of 2018, Grow Credit was born, you know, as the first MasterCard that is strictly dedicated to paying subscriptions and cell phone plans. So that's how we ended with, uh, with, with Grow. And how many people have this MasterCard, the Grow Credit MasterCard today? How many people? So we have about, you know, we have about 70,000, closing on 70,000 you know, active, uh, active users. You know, the, the, we just completed a round led by USA that we announced actually last week. 
you know, in that round, it's Congratulations, meant to yeah. scale the business. Yeah, great. And it was also meant, it was also meant to actually launch the Grow API that we just announced today. The Grow API is a game changer. You know, it enables banks to essentially embed Grow as a white label solution within their app or website to provide, you know, Grow memberships to their audiences, to their users, enabling them to essentially become a financial uh, inclusion uh, platform. So that's uh, Grow Grow to Go. That's the the white label tool that we uh, that we uh, uh, you know that is reserved for banks and financial institutions. And the most exciting product that we announced today is Pay with Grow. And Pay with Grow is basically um, uh, 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 PayPal for subscriptions that build credits. And uh, it's a completely novel product. You know, essentially, we are enabling subscription companies to offer a credit builder product as a method of payment at checkout. Love so that. essentially, they are helping their users build credit with their own subscription. So now, you know, uh, instead of um, you know, instead of essentially signing up and adding your credit card or paying with PayPal, now you can immediately pay with Grow, and there's no consumers don't need to actually type in you know, uh, uh, credit cards, uh, credentials. They, you know, the platform work instantly. As soon as they sign up, the payment is done and they start reporting the payments to the credit bureaus on a monthly basis, done. And then will so you have to partner with retailers on that, Joe, or is that through the banking relationships on the API side? So on the, on the, on the API side, so we are partnering with, directly with subscription companies because the subscription companies are integrating us, you know, as a payment solutions at checkout. You know, on the banking front, it's uh, they are essentially uh, integrating us as a full white label solution. So basically, you know, we are in the background, but it's completely white label. You know, uh, for uh, uh, you know, for white label. I mean, only the, the branding and the logos of a bank are visible. We're just basically operating on the background. Is that the question that you were asking? Uh, yeah, no, that's what I was asking. And then on the on the retail side, if you're going through Netflix and you're checking out, how do you get on a platform like that? Oh, how do we, do you mean how do we uh, partner with them? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Do, yeah, so no, for the, it's just a direct, no, so right now we are supporting over 120 subscriptions right now and all cell phone plans, by the way. So in terms of, uh, you know, we have, we have direct relationships with some subscriptions, but we are going to engage proactively with Netflix, Disney Plus and whatnot to integrate Grow uh, as a checkout solution. And the reason why we can do it seamlessly is because we already have the data validating that users with, let's say Netflix, who have like 15,000 users paying Netflix, they boosted their credit score by an average of 48 points over the, over the following 12 months. And, um, only, and, and the retention rate has been extremely high. So we are very, all the data that validates that integrating you know, uh, the Grow API will be valuable from a retention standpoint and from a revenue standpoint for all our subscription platforms. So it's pretty much the platform is there and the, the model is already proven, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. What, what, you said you just finished a round. How big was the round and who did you say led it? It was a, it was a $10 million round. It was led by USAA. So the beauty with USAA is the fact that they are mission driven. You know, uh, they love. This is the insurance investing. company that does the military, right? USAA is that? Yes. Okay. I think they're headquartered banking, in Tampa, right? I think solutions, yeah. Insurance solutions for the militaries, you know, and uh, essentially um, they saw the light 
with Grow API, you know, one of the key driver, you know, to uh, to towards the investment was, you know, the the prospect and the potential of the Grow API, you know, that would enable them and any financial institutions to basically, you know, cater, you know, for the militaries, you know, and on top of that, are they get, are they going to implement the product themselves? That's you know that's that's, uh, you that's know, a great strategic was, investor. You know, Congratulations. You know, they have 14 million users, right? You yeah. Know, and, yeah. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's what we are. We're in discussion, you know, to, to have a full integration. And we're also talking to a, a variety of financial institutions as, as well. You know, for instance, we landed number 29 in the App Store about two weeks ago. And that's was thanks to a partnership, you know, with a, 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 with a, a financial institution partner that introduced Grow, you know, to their entire audience. And uh, that led, you know, of course, you know, since we have a plan that's completely free of charge, they were promoting the free plan to the audience and it landed up with our highest uh, credit card, credit card issued count day ever. And that's a model that uh, we're planning on replicating with a, a variety of financial institutions. But the model also validated why, you know, integrating grow, the Grow API, you know, via Pay with Grow or grow to go made sense. For financial institutions because they see that you know when embedded there's less friction the email with you know because with email you're always going to have some friction when it's fully embedded zero friction and it helps financial inclusions financial institution transform into financial health tool they are really caring they are demonstrating that they care for their audience by providing them with a product that will have a major positive impact in their lives by helping them, you know, reduce their interest rates, uh, uh, you know, especially in the current high interest rate environment, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, inflationary environment. Now they are delivering a tool that minimizes, you know, the impact of high interest rates on their audience. So they're basically being the good guys. Yeah, it's fantastic. Hey, John. So where do you, where do you see Grow Credit in five years? Listen, our, our goal is to be, uh, you know, really the premier platform for consumers to establish their credit. Our goal is to be embedded in literally every single financial institutions, to be embedded with every single subscriptions out there. And we're also launching, um, yes, this is an exclusive here. We're, we're announcing it, you know, next, uh, next week, Grow Publishers. It's also the third product of our API suites, which enables any websites to embed Grow you know, to monetize their traffic. You know, you know, some credit repair comp companies are already reached out to embed the product. So the idea for us to be to have essentially grow pervasive everywhere. Any website. Love it. Best. Yeah, I love it. Big vision. Big vision. I got one more question, I think. And, and really, this is something that we always talk to our companies about is investor updates. And one thing that you are... The best at in our portfolio, I will say, is giving investor updates every Friday. I know at noon, I'm going to get an email from you talking about that week. Uh, where where did this come from? What drives you to create those investor updates? And then what's the success that you've seen uh, by producing those updates on a, on a weekly basis? Uh, you know what I love? I love that you said that we're the number one. You know? <laughs> out of a uh, hundred companies. Out of hundred companies, 100 companies, yeah. 100 companies. yeah. You communicate one, with us more often and, 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 you know, listen, what we did at Grow, we developed an anti-fragile culture. 
you know, and uh, Antifragile, you know, I recommend everyone with the audience to read uh, the book um, Antifragile by Nassim Taleb. And uh, really quick, it has three states. It talks about three critical states. One is state is fragile. The other one is robust. And the last one is anti-fragile. And with a uh, fragile state, when you stress the system, the system breaks down. You know, it just breaks. With a robust system, when you stress the system, it just stays the same. And with an anti-fragile system, when you put a lot of stress on the system, it also breaks down, but it comes back stronger. Okay? That's the equivalent of just going to the gym, you know, working out really hard, breaking down the muscles, and they're coming back stronger, uh, you know, stronger uh, uh, a few days later. That's what... That's the type of culture that we build, and the the the, the, the report that we're generating on a uh, on a, on a weekly basis, it's part of that culture. You know, by demonstrating our transparency to our to our to our user base, drives uh, tr demonstrating our relentlessness to our investors as well, and uh, it has enabled us to really uh, handle all types of shock, because anything that happens, you know, anything negative that happens at the company, we are so transparent that. Nothing is basically hidden under the rug. You know, there's no nothing that I've, I've noticed that about your open. updates. They're they're not only frequent; they're also you give us the good news and the bad news. It's and not just all news. all the good news, which founders tend to just give us a all lot the good of times. News. It's only good news. Yeah, we only hear about the bad news when it gets really bad, or when they really need us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The power of doing this, meaning embracing stress, embracing the bad news, and really sharing the bad news. It guess what? It forces us to solve the problem by the very next week. So there's nothing that stays, you know, every, because it's super important. We have, let's say, our churn rate went a lot, a lot higher than usual. Guess what? Because it goes, it goes out publicly, our entire, our entire team now is hyper-focused towards finding the solutions that we minimize churn quickly. Transparency leads to speed, a speed of execution, and uh, that's what transparency is so powerful. You know, that's why you don't be, being transparent is a positive momentum enhancer, period. So Love essentially it. our yeah. advisors, our investors are helping us because we are accountable to our, our, our investors. So they're helping us become a lot more efficient. Okay. So that's why transparency is very important. And also we are leveraging, you know, Frank Slutman, the CEO at, uh, at Snowflakes, he has a concept that's called um, high focus, high quality, high speed. And that's a concept that we're leveraging consistently to execute. I mean, for instance, we needed to replace, you know, our, uh, our VP of uh, finance, you know, within, uh, within two months because it was going on a sabbat sabbatical. And we were able to, you know, first of all, I had to pause. You know, not only we had to replace our VP of finance, but we also had to replace our, our, our VP of compliance. All that within two months. The VP of compliance, she was retiring, and the VP of, of finance, again, was having a third kid, so he was going on a sabbatical. And what, what I did, I, in terms of high focus, I stopped everything that I was doing to just focus on hiring. That's number one. In terms of high quality, we are fortunate to have the best advisors in the business. You know, we have Brian Hughes, who was a, a chief risk officer at Discover, who joined us. We have uh, Daniel Eckerd, who was a top executive at Walmart as well. And we have, a, you know, we have Yazi Samimi, who was the SVP of growth at um, Truebill, which was acquired by yeah. market for $1.3 billion. So we have the best advisors on the planet. So that's our top quality there. So I was able to turn around, ask our advisors, hey, 
who do you have in your network that can really uh, uh, replace you know our two executives and that's a, a great quality and within a week they came back with amazing candidate and one of them actually uh, Jeff Anderson spent 35 years you know at discover and he, he just joined us within six weeks you know as now our chief compliance officer so high focus that's all I did high quality amazing advisors and of course there's amazing talent that are being recruited at the same time and high speed within six weeks you just have the best talent fully onboarded you know on the team so that's uh, you know one of the concepts that, that we are leveraging a lot as well and finally you know we are really good at curbing our enthusiasm you know we are really good at well, Larry David <laughs> We believe that the companies that perform the best are the ones that are able to flip negatives into positives really quickly. And that's what we're really good at. Every time we have a struggle and a challenge, we're looking at finding where is the solution. We don't just get down on ourselves. Where's the solution? Where's the opportunity? That's why the book by... Uh, uh, called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. I highly recommend it because we are leveraging it a lot. So we are really good at flipping negatives into positives fast. And in terms of curbing your enthusiasm, that's the best, that's the best story for you, right? You know, we are helping each other not to make sure that we don't get too excited. Because you go from when you have a successful story, when you have any, any successful outcome, you go from happiness to confidence overconfidence to sloppiness to disaster <laughs> so what we do we're just curbing that enthusiasm as quickly as possible so when we see each other being a little bit too excited for too long we're just calling each other out hey 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 slow down a little bit calm down and that's really a way to uh to remain focused on the mission otherwise you know we can you know yeah that's yeah you know drink drink our own kool-aid very dangerous right and so, you know, I have one beautiful example for you. You know, there is Simon Sinek, you know, he was mentioning uh, that there's something called, uh, he was mentioning on one of his uh, 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 shows uh, no, uh, on YouTube, I think, yeah, Leaders Eat Last. He was mentioning something amazing. He said, said that basically Mother Nature controls us with four chemicals, right? You know, he called it ETSO, endorphin, dopamine, serotonin, and, uh, and oxytocin, right? And he was sharing that with the four, first three, they are very addictive. You get very, very addictive. They're dangerous. And with oxytocin, it actually reduces all the, 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 the addictiveness from all the other uh, components, right? And he was sharing that oxytocin, you know, you, you don't get addicted to it. And you know what? I beg to differ. You can get addicted to oxytocin. In our case, we have so many beautiful stories. We have one uh, uh, guy who just came out of prisons. He had no credit scores. He used Grow Credit, the free plan. He was able to get to 700, uh, 700 score within a, within a year. And he posted his comment on review on, um, on, on, uh, on the App Store. And that made us feel so good. Yeah, I'm sure. So good. Well, you're, you're... To, the point, to the point that we were petrified. I was petrified because I said, oh, my God, we are having a true impact. But guess what? That feeling for three days, I just couldn't perform. Right? <laughs> I was very mesmerized by it. And I was like, it was too good. Yeah. And it's, so, but guess what? We learned that you can get addicted to serving. You can get addicted to that feeling. And it's so, so good to curb your enthusiasm. Yeah, that, that makes, that, that that makes sense. Joe, we're running out of time. So I'm going to cut you short here. But that's really good stuff. And I'm sure our audience is Absolutely. enjoying hearing that.
Uh, we really appreciate you being with us today. Uh, your story's great. Uh, very excited for Grow Credit and to continue to watch your success and where you're going to take this. and Continue to grow. Yeah, continue <laughs> to grow. And, and uh, um, I'll be... I'll be uh, we'll we'll be watching and 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 uh, uh, supporting you and, and cheering you on any way we can. So, Zach, anything you want to share? All good, Joe. Thank you so much. It was great to see you. Keep on building a kick-ass business, and congratulations on the launch this morning. All right, thank you so much, and thank you for your support, and thank you for the everyone at uh, at Florida Funders who supported our, our vision, mission, who invested in us. It was really hard to uh, to get our, our seed round, and uh, we are really thankful that. Uh, you know, you placed a bet on us, and I'm, I can guarantee you that it's going to be, Grow will be your best investment ever. Well, thanks. Love to uh, hear that. Thanks, Joe. We're great. We're grateful to be along for the ride and, and uh, excited to see the future again and, and uh, your continued success. So thanks so much. Thank to you. To, to wrap up with our audience, uh, I hope you've enjoyed our show today with Joe and, and Saxon and, and, and myself. Uh, FloridaFunders.com. We have a couple of different ways you can get involved. If you're a founder and you're interested in funding, we have a quick application process on our website. We're always looking for the next great grow credit. Um, that takes you about five minutes. Go out to floridafunders.com, fill out an application. On the other hand, if you're an investor and you're interested in investing in great companies like grow credit, uh, we'd love to have you join us. Again, go to floridafunders.com. There's a whole, whole section of the website uh, dedicated to investors and you can reach out to us and we'll, we'll be in touch and happy to get you involved. So thanks so much. Have Thank a great, you, everybody. Have, have a, a great, great day. day. Thanks for spending your time with Skin in the Game VC today. If you want to learn more about investing in early stage tech like a venture capitalist, be sure to visit the Florida Funders website at floridafunders.com. Join our angel network at no cost and get access to Florida Funders' VC-vetted investment opportunities in the next great breakout tech companies.